ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Data Beat $8 a podcast, aka the Black Awareness Rally a podcast. You could be rocking with anybody else in the world right now, but you are here with us. And for that, we do appreciate you. It's your man Pledge alongside my main man B. What up? Dope. Welcome all of you guys to the discussion. B, what's been going on, brother? You know, man, just just living, living, lamping in the F and luck, lap of luxury, as I they used to say. <laughs> going on with you hey man just trying to make things happen man it's been uh real busy with a lot of different things going on mm-hmm. but uh still trying to uh maintain and i uh, move through it so True. uh yeah ain't ain't not much else to say to that i hear you what y'all got going on this weekend um well we of course we have basketball like always um it's that time of year um to where we we're fully involved in that and then um the uh playoff games today so yeah you and the fam do anything for that um actually we are yeah we're gonna have like a real small get together for it so really really intimate occasion so yeah yeah man uh no i ain't really got I'm really doing much. Uh, that's pretty much gonna be uh, baseball. Not baseball. I'm thinking about baseball, football, and that's probably it. I hear you. Yeah, that's about it. Man. Uh, what else on the radar? Oh, yeah, the city changing for uh, the Super Bowl yet? What's up? Is the city changing for the Super Bowl? Like, has it started to? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the preparations have been underway. I mean, even though it's going to be a, a very, very toned down Super Bowl to where, um, you know, normally, you know, be something that, you know, would be a, something that full go, but due to the COVID situation, um, it's kind of very, very toned down and it won't be, won't draw as many, you know, spectators and, hang, uh, what do you call them? Hanger owners, people who come to the city but don't go to the game. Um, I thought the, uh, the city was still prepping for that. I, I mean, they are, but not to the magnitude of, of a normal Super Bowl. I got you. I mean, you're talking about um, normally billions of dollars in economic, you know, an economic, uh, you know, stimulation that normally comes with the Super Bowl. And that just won't be there this year. Hopefully, the NFL will allow Tampa to run it back in the next few years so we get a legitimate um, opportunity. <laughs> Give him a second um, shot. Yeah. I don't know the, what what this the the second time in the in, inside the ten years, right? Or maybe I think it's been the last years. time it was when the Steelers won it in Arizona. So it, was, yeah. it was a little over ten years. I want to say it was like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Um, I, yeah, when, probably yeah. ten. I think ten or nine. Yeah, when the Arizona Cardinals and the Steelers played for the Super Bowl. Hmm. All right. Yeah, that that's, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Uh, I remember that being a good time as a uh, resident of the city. Got yes. a hundred dollar tip. Hung out with some ex football players. Uh, nice. Reluctant. Well, I ain't gonna say reluctantly. I just strip club in the casino. I made two of my <laughs> digs. So I was like, yes. all right. Well, you know, we here, but it wasn't. I wasn't having a good time. Yeah. So. 
actually had a good time a couple um one time when it was down in Miami. I forget which Super Bowl it was, but I had a blast when it was down there. Um, mm. hanging out. So that was I cool. remember that. You and I think it was your cousin or something like that? Yeah, me and my cousin lives down there, so he knows the um the ins and outs of how to maneuver in them streets down there. So <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. I missed that. I missed that. Yeah, so so that was a that was a good time. Yeah, Kendra, yes, Tampa Bay. You guys are they one game away from the Super Bowl. How crazy would that be? Yeah. They'll be the city of champions for real, for real. Cause they they won the uh they ain't winning in baseball, did they? No, nah, they 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 were runner up in baseball. They won the NHL. And then they have the um the Raptors are down here now too. So Listen, the Raptors man. won the last legitimate NBA championship. Uh, that's what they're trying to say without the bubble situation. So you don't count that one y'all won is legit. No, nah, no, nah, I definitely count it as legit. I'm just saying they <laughs> they try to. Uh... <laughs> Listen, man. So yeah, so it's a lot going on. It's an exciting time. It's just I don't know. I want to say it's sad that people can't go out and fully like enjoy it, like you know, like the parades and and all that stuff. Not that I would be out there, but I just think that you know when you win championships or you have Super Bowls, it's meant for everybody to be out and enjoying it and, and soaking up the uh I honestly don't think it's gonna slow down a whole lot in terms of fandom and, and partying. Um yeah. I could think of a couple people right now that they're gonna be they're gonna be on the scene for the festivities. Official and unofficial, if you know what I mean. I hear you. So you know, uh, yeah. Just look out for another COVID surge, man. It's, it's gonna happen, man. But yeah, you know, people want to feel like they they can live their life. I can't tell them what to do, man. So anyway, yeah, I mean, what we got for the uh, Black Awareness Rally joints? No, I mean, I'll, I'll just kick it off with the kind of the. Uh the arts and entertainment section, man, I just want to give a shout out to, um, I was reading about the inauguration. The inauguration, and how, yeah. And how uh, both um, Kamala Harris, you know, Vice President Kamala Harris, as well as former First Lady Barack, uh, I'm sorry, Michelle Obama, really, you know, put a lot of young black um, fashion designers mm-hmm. Um, really, really rocked their stuff and, and really made a concerted effort. Not only in, in a lot of the pieces were like, not just what they were wearing, but the colors were uh, symbolic, like purple um, was a representation of the, um, was like a homage to the people who passed away from COVID, yeah. as well as po- purple was a way, you know, like when they say a purple state, it's like red and blue coming together. Mm-hmm. So it was really um, a lot of thought behind what they were doing. Oh, you know, that, that was real deep. I ain't even I ain't even peeped that. I ain't even peeped yeah. that. That was over yeah. my head. It's over my head. So yeah, so it was a lot of thought behind um what they were doing and they really put some young um black designers um you know on the forefront by wearing their it was all three black dudes from what I saw. Yes. I was like, oh snap. Three yeah, dudes. So um so shout outs to them using, you know, that huge platform to um uplift some some uh, young, young yeah um, some yeah. some young black designers. Yeah, I thought that was huge too. Um uh, they didn't go with the the big label joints. Um uh, 
I, I did think that was special. Yeah, shout out to the mittens uh, from. Uh, <laughs> What's the craziest one you saw with that with the Bernie memes? Uh, Wu Tang Clan, him hanging out with Wu Tang. Yeah, I was like, yo, y'all tripping. The Wu Tang was, was pretty funny. I'm trying to think, yeah. what was the funniest one I saw? I think the Red Table Talk. Oh wow! They put him at the Red Table uh, when Will Smith was looking at Jada. <laughs> and he was sitting right there like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest one. Hey, y'all, what's y'all funniest Bernie meme? I don't know if y'all know uh, Bernie Sanders became, he went viral this weekend or this past week for uh, sitting and waiting in front of the, uh, the inauguration stage before everybody got there. And he has since gone viral. People have been cropping him out of the, the, the inauguration stage, setting or the audience and put them in different scenarios. And it's just been real fun to check that out, seeing it in a lot of different places. So, yes. Uh, for my sports and entertainment moment, uh, it's a somber one, but I want to pay homage to Henry Hank Aaron, the Major League and Negro League baseball legend who passed yeah. away this week at 87. No, 86. 86. So he, uh, he passed away this weekend. He ended up becoming a philanthropist and a very successful entrepreneur. I think he owns like all the Popeye's chicken locations in Atlanta, as well as uh, donated some major loot, he and his wife, to a lot of different initiatives. And he's even got a uh, program and an institution up at uh, Duke University that uh, – you know, brings in a lot of minority students to get a quality education there. So, uh, yeah, Danny B said her funniest one, her favorite uh, Bernie meme was one of the ones they put him in the Golden Girl set. They put him in the middle of an episode. And they're they putting this cat everywhere. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. I've been saying, like, a lot of people put him in, like, at their job, too. Which oh is, yeah, I've seen that. Funny too. People put them at their job. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I mean, to kind of um, piggyback off the Hank Aaron, um, I grew up. I was a Braves fan growing up because mm-hmm. uh, honestly, they were the only baseball team in the South when both of us were born. So yeah. I was a Braves fan growing up. Actually, the first MLB game I ever went to was in Atlanta. Um, you know, f- to watch the Braves. So, um, and not only did he, you know, was he a great baseball player, but the legacy that he left after um, playing baseball was uh, just as big. So I definitely want to give a shout out. That was uh, tough news to hear this week that um, Hank Aaron had passed away. So you heard about the conspiracy theory swinging it, start swirling around that one? Nah, I haven't. As always. We got to use our platform responsibly. <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't comment on it on my socials, but uh, you know, he posted on Twitter. He posted a video, no, a uh, picture of him getting the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, and this was uh, a little over three weeks ago, I believe. And so, black folk took to the Twitter and the internet streets, social media streets, and it was like he died after taking the vaccine. I was like, come on, y'all. Like, why? Why we got to do this every time? Yeah. So to to those of us that are out there in them streets, he ain't die from the vaccine. 
Yeah, can can we let that go? Yeah. Don't 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 share that if you see it. It's not why he died. So true. I mean, on the opposite end of the spectrum, Larry King died after a yes. battle with with COVID. They, they were just too. I elderly mean, gym, Larry right? King, he had a number of uh, yeah. a number of health issues throughout yeah. the years. He was uh eighty seven. I think he was eighty seven. Yeah, he was. I mean, these, these are two brothers that, you know, they they made it to their eighties after eighty five, lived very full lives. Think think both of them would be proud of the things that they got accomplished. Oh, definitely. And um, you know, let's just put some respect on their names, man. And leave leave the conspiracy theories out of it, and just honor the work and legacy that they tried to leave behind. Because Lord knows we could use some Larry King journalism right now, boy. Oh, yes. Uh, especially over the last four years. So hopefully somebody decides to take up the mantle of both of those legends and try to come out here and let people see hard work and integrity can get you into some places. Yes. So, uh, what you got? What, what next segment, segment are you going to do? For the, I think we alluded to last week, but for the entertainment, I definitely want to give a shout out to, um, you know, one night in, in Miami. Um, mostly a shout out to for the uh, for the black Miss Black Awareness uh, pageant rally, uh, Miss Regina King for uh, her uh, directorial debut. Um, I was able to watch it. I think I think we wa- we watched it la- after the show last Sunday or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, it was great. I mean, you had four legends that were on top of their game at the time mm-hmm. um, that just happened to be um, in the same place the same night. And it was re- very uh, revealing um, of how things went down. You had um, Malcolm X. You had Jim Brown. You had. Um, who Who is it? Um, Sammy. Sam uh, Cook. Not Sammy. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Sam Cook. Sam Cook, Sam, I was thinking Sam Davis Jr. Yeah, Sam Cook <laughs> and, <the, laughs> and so um and I'm forgetting Muhammad Ali, of course. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um a young after watching it. Cash is yeah. clay, as it were. Yeah, he was Cash is Clay at the time. And I, I didn't realize that all that kind of came together at the same time of Cassius Clay becoming Muhammad Ali um at that point. I don't know, Cook, from what I read, from what I read, the the movie, uh, like it was a play, and then the play was fictitious. That was somebody's account of what they thought happened, based on them oh. hanging out. Because they actually did hang out together one night. They actually, yeah. you know, they were together. There, there are about five pictures from them hanging out together that night, and uh, it was definitely the night, like the. The events, like the dates and all that stuff, is true. So yeah. I don't know if the conversations were real. So I was kind of, I was like, oh. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, but the the culmination of everything of of uh, Sam Cooke being, um, you know, change going to come and things of that nature. Because mm-hmm. I mean, Malcolm was very hard on Sam Cooke uh, if you saw the movie. So. Yeah, I was watching it. Drell was like, man, I can't invite Malcolm to no parties. He's scaring all the women. I was like, man. <laughs> I was like, don't do that. You might get it. I mean, that was, 
that was a, a kind of what everybody else thought the meeting was for. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I get it, man. They they did come thinking it was gonna be some lady friends, but uh, I was like, dang it, and I couldn't even say that back. I was like, that's a good point. I but, mean, uh, but I think that was like the realest. I mean, that, that's as real as you can get, though. Like, I mean, they, they did get invited under false pretenses, <laughs> so. But they eventually did go out. That did happen. They did go to a party. Yeah. So Malcolm looked like he did a good job at the at the party. He didn't he didn't scare anybody off. But uh man, I was I was we'll we'll get to that. Let me let me do mine real quick. So yeah. shout out to Regina King for that, man. I thought it was very, very enjoyable. And thank I want to thank her for not recruiting any of her Hollywood friends. Thank Lord that they didn't want to audition. Cause I just know there's gonna be some Negroes in there doing a terrible job. Like, who can I think of? Mary J. Blige trying to pretend to be Sam Cook wife. Get out of the way, Mary J. Blige. Who else? Sonata Lathan, uh you know, people that they're too famous to hide into another famous person's role. I mean they've like, already been typecast. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. Because could you imagine Will Smith at this point in the game trying to play Ali again? I'm just like, Will, it's, yeah. I can't. I see Will Smith. I don't see Muhammad Ali. So that's, that's always a thing for me. And I also appreciate her for giving. Not that any of those guys in the, in the movie were up and common artists because all of those brothers have been doing their thing except for the two guys that played Ali and I, uh, Malcolm X. Those guys, I don't think they have any, like, black mainstream America fame. Yeah. So uh, I appreciated her for uh, giving them brothers a chance to shine. So, but, uh, no, it was very enjoyable. I thought the guys did a great job. And uh, I appreciate her for having the integrity she did when it came to casting. Yes. So, uh, let me do uh, Jamel Hill. It's my nomination. Um, she's partnered with Spotify to develop. Huh? No, I'm saying we we talk about her. She could be. I'm trying, I'm tr- let me let me find I'm just saying, this. like, no, I feel like because it it is a lot, and we we do do a lot. Um, but if anybody was wondering what I was gonna say, <laughs> Spotify and her making a uh, I think she's making a network for young ladies to do podcasting. So that'll be cool. Hopefully, can we? Uh, hopefully we can get some journalists with integrity to come out of that program. Yes. I think a lot of people forget that Jamel Hill is a journalist at heart. That's uh, where she got, that's, you know, how she came up. I think a lot of people just look at her as a, I don't know, like a, a social media influencer. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, she wears so many hats, but she, she does wear a lot a of hats. But she was a journalist first, so yeah, definitely. She one of, uh, for the Orlando Sentinel, um, my hometown newspaper. So you said she she was there for a while. Yeah, yeah. She mm. she was um, and she was a professor at uh, UCF as well. I'm not sure if she still is, but I know that she was a professor at UCF for a while too. So no, nah, man. I uh, oh, I guess I can cheat. Uh, shout out to the all the women. At the inauguration ceremony. So Kamala Harris and the poet 
the young lady poet. She's a poet laureate. Yes. Um, I heard that she had like a really interesting educational experience where when she was born, they were going to try to make her a uh, education. What, what, what was it called? George, I'm a teacher. I'm trying to remember. Special needs. I, I yes. Think. Yeah, yes. She, they went, they, they labeled her special needs, but she ended up going to Harvard. Yes. Not that Harvard is the standard, but, you know, in white America, that's one of the best. And uh, she's a poet laureate and multi-published author. So uh, respect to her and respect to Kamala Harris for, you know, breaking the record, being the first, three first, first black woman, first woman, the first Indian woman to become vice president of America. So, uh, yeah, that, that is really huge. Can't overlook any of those. So I want, I want, to, I want to shout out to those. Yes. Uh, so um, for my community moment, I'm kind of kind of keeping in the same same light to where um, Kamala Harris requested uh, the Capitol officer Eugene Goodman, the same man that uh, escorted everybody away from the Capitol while the members of the Senate were still in there. Mm-hmm. So she personally requested him to escort her during the inauguration. So I just thought that was a, a major a major move. Um, of that brother getting the recognition and uh, hopefully, you know, a promotion or, or whatever comes with it. Um, I'm pretty sure that was an honor for him to be able to um, accompany her on her historical moment in the White House. So I want to give a shout out to um, both um, Officer Eugene Goodman, as well as um, Vice President Kamala. Vice Ford. President Kamala Harris. For 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 recognizing that brother and giving him an opportunity to um, make history together, so see that's sister, my see how sisters putting on for everybody sticking together, right? To give that brother a job, didn't even have to, <laughs> wasn't even a requirement, right? Uh, nah, shout out shout out to uh, Kamala Harris for doing that. Um, I guess my community moment, which would be fun, sisters in the community making it difficult for other communities, um, the Ebony Anglers breaking competitive fishing barriers and winning tournaments in the process. And these young ladies entered and won their first tournament just 30 days after forming the team. So we ain't even, they ain't even been doing this for a long time and they're just coming in like stomping on the necks of other people. Uh, five black women who recently tried their hands at fishing are now participating in the sport competitively and using the experience to build a, so, a special bond with each other while still balancing family, motherhood, and businesses. Um, the group is out of North Carolina, and they're called the Ebony Anglers. So they all started when they happened to be near a competitive fishing event one day. And it was like they had this huge fish and just looked like they were having a ball. So they immediately thought to themselves, let's do it. And all of a sudden, they just started kicking butt. <laughs> so, That's like <laughs> It's like... It's like that's why white people hate us. That that right like sad for everybody else. It is not fair to us. I mean, it is not like we be cheating. They like it looked like they was having a good time, so we just did it. That's not even that's not even their day job. Mm 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 mm. Nope. 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 I, and it, you, you see what I'm saying, man? Like, just let people compete fairly, and whatever happens, happens. But stuff like this happens, though. Like that's like. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're gonna use this as an example, like, but you see what happens. <laughs> I'm just saying, let people just let people compete fairly. Like when you let Hank Aaron but, but no, participate. No, no, no. Look here. I went to college. I, I was an angler in college. I'm saying I, I I I quit my job so I could focus on being an angler full time. And you talking about somebody who did this started this a month ago? Just beat me. Just just showed up because they they looked like we was having too much fun, so they want to have fun. I'll be mad too though, dog. Can you can you be? Come on, let's be honest, dog. You've been training because you know these dudes be training, and these three chicks just show up and like, oh, what y'all doing? No, excuse us, ma'am. And this dude probably think he big time walking past with some shades on, got cameras all in his face. Why y'all interviewing him? And they just like, I want to join. <laughs> then the next time they first competition they get in, they beat you. Yeah. You would immediately start talking about, I hate black women. <laughs> now, I really think that's like, come on now, let's be for real. Think of all the movies we saw with barriers and stuff being broken. Every time, though, I'd be like, yeah, that's why they racist. I, I get it. Because it always just seemed like when you let people have a fair shot, just crazy stuff going to start happening, dog. Yes. I don't mean. Even, don't even know what bait to use, nothing. No, just. Now, wait, hold on now. Because, you know, we be fishing. <laughs> we we like to fish. That's one of them things. You, have you ever seen uh, in Orlando growing up, certain areas where, like, black women just sit on the side of the road and be fishing? You never seen that? Like as you driving by, I know where I black come from. Men, no, black men, yes. Nah, man, where I come from, like my grandma, everybody just they just went fishing and just sat out there. That was like a, a relaxation thing for them. So instead of a spot, they would just go sit on the side of certain lakes and and streams and just fish, and then come home and cook up some grub for everybody. Yeah, moment of truth. Never been fishing. Really? Never. Ah, well. I guess I'll share a moment of truth. Moment of truth. Uh, I don't know if I'm still scared, but one of my biggest memories of fishing was uh, going fishing with my dad, and it started storming, so we had to leave. And my dad was like, all right, take your fish and put it in the bucket. And I looked at him, and I was like, what? He's like, take your fish and put it in the bucket. So you had to call all these fish. And he was like, take them out the water and put them in another bucket or whatever. And I went to try to grab them. And that thing started moving. I started screaming. I was like, what in the world is this? I had to be like five. And I was like freaking out. I was like, uh-uh. He ain't touching that. My dad was like, man, you put them fish in the bucket? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It probably took like three or four minutes later, but I felt like an hour or an eternity later. He got out the car. He was like, dude, you finna sit here and cry in the storm instead of putting the fish in the bucket? And I was like, look, man, I ain't never touched no fish before. Yeah. Same, same where I grew up. I don't know what you're talking about doing. I hear you. So, uh, yes, that's. I think that's the. I think I might have cleaned one fish in middle school, but other than that, I can't remember last time I went fishing. I think it's boring. Yeah, I can't do it. Quanika says she like fishing. She says it's relaxing. Nice, Quanika. What? What do we have to like go somewhere special to fish? Or can we just show up like the old folks used to do? Anybody award and just catch them. Hey, did you know tilapia is like not a real fish? Was it a man-made fish, right? Yeah. So there was like this big thing where black people was like, oh, we're not eating that no more. 
And I wonder if the people on the streets heard that, because I know it. I saw that big uproar on social media. You know, social media ain't always real life, so. But anyway. Um, yeah, I think that's everything for the Black and Witness rally. Uh, kicking the Bobo. Kicking the Bobo. Yes. I guess that's what we're going to call it today. Kicking the Bobo. All right, y'all. Uh, topic is rest in peace to baseball legend Hank Aaron. We don't really have nothing too heavy for y'all this week. Uh, one thing I, I want to say while I was listening to some coverage of, uh, you know, everybody's talking about it, him passing, especially in sports. I did not know that he had to deal with so much BS when he got close to breaking the home run record at the time. And I just found out that if you watch a video of him, like, running the bases, and when he uh, got the home base and his mom, like, jumped on him and grabbed him, they were saying that his mom did that because he was getting death threats from snipers. And she was like, well, if they're going to shoot you, they got to shoot me too. I was like, what? Yeah. So apparently he said he was like really stressed out that whole time. Like he wasn't having fun when he got close to the record. Yes. And I, it was a very scary moment when the, when the one guy ran out of the stand and ran with him when he hit the home run is that everybody thought that was it. Everybody thought dude was coming to take him out. And he was just so excited that he just ran with them or whatever. And uh, the true professional that uh, Hank Aaron is, he just ran like, he, he just, it was like, you know, it, it, it wasn't like he, you know, threw up his set or nothing. He just ran uh, like normal. So uh, he handled that situation very well. But a lot of people were, were very scared during that. They were like, oh, here we go. I, here, here I we go. Know. I didn't know all of that. What tripped, yeah. me, what tripped me out is that's like, you know, it's like some great American history, right? Yeah. Like that's going to be like a legend forever. But ain't nobody ever asked Hank Aaron, like, yo, were you scared when the random white dudes just ran up on you after you was getting all them, them death, threat, death threats? Yes. Like, because it's black people. Yeah, I mean, we ain't, we don't get to be in certain areas too often. And then we get there and they threaten to kill us. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you just know security. Just all of a sudden, you can just let random fans run in the field. I ain't see that with, with Babe Ruth was on the field. Nah. Kind I mean, of, kind of scary, honestly, though. I, I, it wasn't this, the, 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 the inauguration this past week wasn't as bad. But man, when I tell you I was nervous the whole time during uh, Barack Obama's inauguration, Especially when he got out of the car, and I was like, "Oh man!" So I mean, this this inauguration, it, it was I was somewhat like, be, you know, on on the lookout, but but yeah, but uh, but yeah, for I didn't I didn't know that about his uh, mother. I was like, "Wow!" But uh, but I do remember like one of the most important um, times. In, in baseball history was when he broke the record and then you just got random fans running out on the field. That's sad, man. Uh, I mean, respect to the meritocracy that sports can be. But uh, just when they had them laps in judgment, like Drew was telling me a story about baseball. Uh, I think it was like the, the 
was it the White Sox, Chicago White Sox, Red Sox, Red Sox. And they were trying to do this uh, sports marketing thing to get people to come to the game. And it was like, bring a disco record as we uh, celebrate the death of disco, right? And uh, I didn't know that disco was considered black people music. Did you know that? Did not know that. Yeah. He said he was watching a documentary and they was talking about it. But the... uh, the people in Chicago hated disco so much that it was sold out. The game was sold out, and they still had people coming, and they couldn't, like, turn the people away because they wanted to come in and participate in burning disco CDs, vinyls. <laughs> and so uh, he said one of the, one of the uh, staff, you know, the workers at the stadium, was like, man, these people throwing away, throwing away some great records, man. I wish I could have kept them, but it's just white people so happy to kill something they thought was black. That they just came out like these record numbers like immediately. So I was like, dang, that like you be trying to get away from it. Just they just won't they won't let you chill, dog. They won't let it just be something chill to do. Uh, I don't know. I always think it's funny when I hear certain stories like that about sports. Hey man, what you thought about your boy Dion speaking of sports? Helping uh Lil Wayne get out of jail. Get that pardon from Trump. Um, I mean, it's, I I mean, first of all, I I didn't know what Lil Wayne was in trouble for or what he potentially could be in trouble for. Gun possession in Miami. Gun and drugs. What's that? He got arrested for guns and drugs in in Miami. Oh, okay. But I do know that old boy was throwing around pardons last week. Like it was, you know, like it, like it was going out of style. So they say he was literally selling them. Oh wow! Two million dollars. Are pop. you serious? Two million a pop. Yeah, Rudy Giuliani uh, handling the negotiations. I did not know this. Yep. So is everything like a, um, a, a everything a cash grab? Like everything is for sale? Only the white people though. I just, I mean, I thought it was really weird because everybody knew he was going to pardon Lil Wayne. Everybody, the, the, the streets was chirping about that when Lil Wayne yeah. came out and supported him right before the election. But he, you know, he, he let Kwame kill Patrick out and apparently Kodak Black. I don't know if he actually did let yeah. Kodak out. I, 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 I saw the Kwame kill Patrick thing and I thought that was, I thought that was good because I mean, like Kwame got what, 20 years? Yeah. But I'm just I, like, I thought that was crazy. Got it. So I thought that was I thought that was a good look. But so did you think like oh Trump ain't racist because he let them out, or did you think these cats must throw some hell hellified parties, and that's why Trump wanted them out when he got out? Because I thought I was like somebody probably gonna think this has something to do with racism, like this proves that he's not racist. But I was like no, I just no, like these I mean, some hellified parties. I just think it's a flex. I just I think everything he does is like a flex. Yeah, but he, they were saying like a lot of people he picked, they were like they couldn't figure out what was the reason. And I was like, because yeah, like they throw great parties. His, I can't understand his um, why Kwame Kilpatrick would be on Trump's radar. They said they said Kwame used to used to get it in when he was mayor, like you know, like, kind of how like Marion Barry got caught with the women. Yeah, when he got a uh, had that big scandal, they said Kwame was basically. You know, not 
not as civilly civically minded, but uh, he used to get it in too. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, I know, I know that he got in trouble for you know all the all the money that he was personally how how he was personally benefiting off of being in the office. So, um, yeah. So I don't know, man. I just I was wondering how everybody felt about it. I was like. Are we supposed to feel confused? Should we feel like hey, Trump might in, not be as bad as we thought? Prison, somebody gives you a get out of jail free card. I mean, you, you know, take it, man. Okay. Yeah, you you definitely take it. You can't get mad at these cats for being like a for accepting a, a pardon. No, I, um, listen. Give horse, don't look it in the mouth. All that. But what <laughs> yeah. what should we think? Because I was in prison. If I was in prison and Trump was like, "Hey, you can get out," I'd be like, "Hey." Appreciate you. Thanks. So are we sending Lil Wayne's invite to the cookout? Lil Wayne and Deion Sanders' invite to the cookout? No. I mean, especially not Deion. Nah, we can't. Why? 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 Is Deion on that list of black god celebrities we can't touch? Deion is at an HBCU trying to to rebuild um, an HBCU and so I, I I think that Dion is is doing you know a lot for us. So I mean we can't let this one thing um, ignore us from everything else that he's doing. The fact that he's I mean as I said this cast is is in Mississippi. Prime time is in Mississippi. Like that's like you know he's there to like really really help out. He and just really love the hood. If prime time is in Mississippi, he like he's really. They're, you know, for that kid, for those kids and for that program. So. But what? So just, I don't know. I don't know. I know uh, he got robbed last week. Somebody broke in his truck and stole a boombox. In my mind, I was thinking, I was like, yo, does this mean people really don't rock with Dion like that on the ground? Like, out, like outside of sports, outside of sports, in sports. Young cats may not know. Young cats may not know about prime time, though. Hey, I don't know, man. I mean, it's sad that they don't know about prime time, but they should. Hey, dude, ladies on the show, do y'all know who prime time is? Without us having to explain who prime time is, I wonder if that's a thing. You think ladies know in this generation? Yes, they know who Deion Sanders. They know. Is. They know Deion. Deion Prime Time Sanders. I don't know, man. But nah, nah. I mean, you can't cancel Dion, dude. If you if you are an NFL Hall of Famer and as as many options as you got, you go to an HBCU to try to build up their program. Lifetime, lifetime pass. Do you think it's a lifetime pass of cookout? Yeah. Oh, but Nika says she don't know who. Oh, never mind. She heard prime time, but now that she know Dion Sanders is who referring to. She know who it is. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh. I don't know, man. What else? What else happened this week that I just thought was hilarious, or just made me stop and pause and, and think a little bit? Yeah, primetime is the dancing football player. Yo, remember? Uh, remember the dance that used to be on like all the old NFL highlight films, where when cats scored a touchdown, they would do like the chicken legs, like the crazy legs thing. Yeah, I met his name was Billy White Shoes Johnson, I believe. Right? Yes. Oh, you knew who I was? I met him. Again, I didn't meet him. But I was in a meeting with him. 
the week before last. He lives in Atlanta. I was like, God damn, Atlanta? Like, really? every this dude is supposed to be like a shaker and moving civil rights now. So I'm just like, it's like all these, like, not really iconic people, but these people that are icons in different little pockets of society. A lot of them just out here chilling, living their life in Atlanta. You would think Atlanta is like the retirement of black legends or something, as opposed to Miami. Yes. So I met the, mean... the, the president of Delta Sigma Theta. I met like three judges. Um, I met this uh, iconic civil rights photographer. Just They just be in here, out here chilling in Atlanta. I'm like, what? All the history out here. Nice, man. I, I mean, know, but that's what you—that's what you went up there for, though, right? I mean, literally, it's literally why I came up here to get more into the the weeds of certain stuff. I'm just never ceases to surprise me. So uh, I don't know why I forgot, but I found out Martin Luther King's—I <laughs> think it was his adult home and the church that he preached at. You know, they both here, and I was like, "Oh, that's right, he is from here." Oh, so yeah. When he got some pictures in front of that, I don't know, man. It's always weird. Yes. But uh, yeah. Hey, Danny says she knows who Dion is. Well, uh, welcome to the first time, last time, returning listeners. Um, if you guys can like and share. Like, share, like, share, subscribe, like, share, subscribe. Check it out. Uh, if you think that what we're doing is kind of awesome, go ahead and let us know. Uh, we didn't we didn't have a lot to go off of this week um, in terms of major events. Um, I did <clears throat> see a lot of people discussing the executive orders that Joe Biden signed into law, and uh, some of them came up as discussion points in some of these Facebook groups I'm in. And it just made me think one thing, Pledge, especially that chat group we're in. It's like, yo, do I not know black men? Like, I, you know, I have relationships with them. I know them. But when it comes to what we think about a lot of stuff, I was like, a lot of stuff I've been hearing lately, it's just it's kind of shocking. Like, what? So one example was uh, how one of the executive orders <clears throat> uh, removed the Muslim ban that Trump put in place and then uh, I think it was another one that was gonna oh the DACA the Dreamers Act the DACA the Dreamers Act or whatever and how that you know it's, it's associated with Muslims and then Hispanic people but the tons of immigrants that are black immigrants that are coming from black countries you know that Trump called them the S-hole countries and I was like, oh, snap, that actually is something that benefits black black people, not black Americans, but black people. And uh, <clears throat> these guys in this group I was in, they were like, man, F that. I don't care now about that. I need to see something specifically that's about black people. I want reparations. I don't want to hear none of this people of color and minorities crap. I only want to hear about black people. And so it got me to thinking, I was like, yo, a lot of black dudes that just really, 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 really only care about, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, having resources to provide for their family. If it ain't got nothing to do with that, 
they ain't with it, right? And then this other part was this perceived masculinity that's tied to some really weird crap that I don't understand. Like, remember we was in the chat and uh Wally was like, he don't like Shannon Sharp. And I was like, what? You don't like old Uncle Shay Shay? He's like, see, the yeah. nigga named Shay Shay. Enough said. I was like, I mean, what is that? Yeah. I mean, but I mean, it's, a, it's a lot of people that feel like that. I'm just, that was just an example that I knew. What, what, what is with black dudes? Like, what, what is that about? I don't know. I mean, I think we should have legitimate reasons for why we don't like each other or why we discount each other and it should be if you know a guy that's not being responsible and not take care of his household and not take care of his family stuff like you know stuff like that that those are reasons why people should be called out and canceled in in our community but just because you don't like somebody's name and stuff like that that's I mean, that's, to me, that doesn't make sense at all. I just, I don't know, man. I'm just, I've been learning a lot just due to the, the election. You know, uh, there's one, like I said, there's one pundit I listened to. He was like, man, all the polling that was talking about 20% of the black men going to Trump and all that stuff. He was like, that's kind of misleading because uh, you know, he was asking the wrong questions and blah, blah, blah. But uh, it's like, yo, we really don't. I guess if it if it helps us feed our family, we really we just cool with it. I mean, like, do we do we should we care about where the money comes from and all that wonderful like should integrity be tied to feeding families? I think it should be tied to you know what people. I think you have to feel good about your situation. I, I think that's the way you will be able to enjoy the money. But I, I think for you to have a clean conscience about it, you have to, you know you have to feel good about the source of it. And is that source a is that source going to be something that can be repeatable, you know, sustainable, or is it just going to be a one time situation? I think that's one of the things that I have with with people just, you know, saying, oh, you know, I want this. Are we, are we looking for something that's going to serve us one time and then that's it? Or are we going to, are we looking for ways to educate ourselves to where we can get a more sustainable source of, of resources? And I think that's one thing I'm more so for ways that are going to give us a sustainable resources, like repeatedly, as opposed to just one and done. Something like a transferable skill, like yes, or you, you know, transferable skill. What about uh this notion? This this just where my headspace been at, specifically when it comes to black men this week, because you know we're we're still the most marginalized group in the country. Um, you know, sisters are very 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 close second, if not one B. Um, but it always makes me think of since we get marginalized so much. You know, we just got get pushed on the fringes of society. You know, a lot of us feel like, well, we have to provide. You know what I mean? Like, because, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat. You know, that whole concept, right? 
And a lot of us turn to petty nonviolent crimes. Some of them, you know, more notoriously labeled drug dealing, right? It's not that, you know, we created the drug trade and all that wonderful stuff, but it was like it was a way for us to get money so that we could start feeding families and putting people in situations that we weren't in because we didn't have the money. And so, you know, fast forward maybe 30, 40 years, that becomes a admirable trade because it it shows results and then it kind of becomes something that the hood kind of idolized. And so we have women that kind of like the drug dealers. You know, we have kids that look up to them, you know, the athletes as well, because it seems like it's the most productive investment of a time. And, uh, you know, coupled with some other things, uh, it just really makes me wonder, man, like, yo, does it, is it just really that easy for us? Like, are we in such a messed up state that we'll just take a means of production or producing money regardless of the outcome or how short, short term it may be? Yeah, and, and I, I'm glad that you use the term uh, short term because I, I do think that a lot of the things we do, we are quick fixes because we haven't been able to build the generation. You're like stopgap measures. Yes. And so, you know, just think if you're if you're growing generation by if if you're growing your family generation by generation and you're able to accumulate in every fan, you know, every generation behind you improves and, and grows upon what you're able to build, you know, over time, your family is going to be a lot better off. But I think when we haven't been able to produce that, we're looking for ways to say, hey, how can I live the same lifestyle? of people that's been, you know, generationally wealthy, how can I build that same lifestyle? And I think that in ways we tend to gravitate towards those things, um, whether it be, you know, entertainment, sports, things of that nature, where you can build a, you know, a generational wealth in one, you know, in in, in one generation, as opposed to um, going through the process of, you know, of building things over time. Mm. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily, it's not anything wrong with going after those things, but I just think sometimes it's like a, you know, we're, we're swinging uh, for a home run, but if we don't, if we don't hit that home run, we strike out. Yeah. We don't even get on base. Not make no progress whatsoever. Uh, let's see. Quinika says, when I was in high school, guys made it look easy, like easy money. Thought about getting a book and selling some dime bags. She thought about getting a book bag. Like, I, I, I see women gravitate towards it in different ways because of, you know, what she said, the easy money. Like, uh, I don't know if I told you, but. I remember this one young lady telling me she preferred to date drug dealers specifically because the amount of expendable cash and the free time that they had to spend time with her because they didn't have to be at a, you know, their schedule wasn't regimented such that they had to be somewhere away from her or out of, you know, like they ain't got to be at a nine to five and can't be on the phone caking with her all day while she was in college. And I just, my jaw dropped because I hadn't heard anybody one be that transparent and then two admit something. I think a lot of guys kind of knew like 
Spurs just kind of want to be secure financially, and these guys look like they might be the, the quickest route to that, even if it is universally understood to be a temporary thing, you know? Yes. So, uh, one, thank you to Quanika for sharing that. Two, second question I had this week. How much of what we aspired to be as young black kids was due to masterful marketing? Because when we were coming up, you know, the late 80s, you know, Jordan had started to ascend to this this new height. And we just come off the high with the NBA, uh, finding two superstars in Magic and Larry Bird. That it turned into this class on marketing and trying to get people to be a part of it. And I know a lot of kids wanted to be NBA ballers. And I thought to myself, especially when I was getting set up, how much of what I aspired to be as a kid was due to marketing as opposed to just this innate desire that I had based on the talents that I had. You ever wonder that? Um, it's a good question. I, I don't know if it's, I don't even know if it's direct marketing as opposed to subtle marketing, you know, th- things that we repeatedly see over and over and over mm-hmm. and over again, mm-hmm. as opposed to just one. Right, right, message. right. I agree. But I do think that we, we, what we get exposed to a lot of, of what we repeatedly see is what we kind of gravitate towards. And like nowadays, you you bring up Jordan. Jordan's uh, impact wasn't just on the court, but Jordan's impact was off the court. And you see that with how like many shoes he's still able to sell without even being without even playing anymore. And who are who are probably the biggest consumer of Michael Jordan's you know apparel and shoes or whatever? Yeah, we are. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of times black people gravitate to where, where they see themselves a lot. At. We see ourselves a lot as NBA players. We see ourselves a lot as entertainers. We see ourselves a lot as. But is that, is that because again, it's not, you know, we, we know we do more than that. You know what I mean? But yeah. is that because that's all we're allowed to see? You know what I mean? By the, the big media comp like the mainstream media companies, like, you know, when, when Dr. J was doing this thing, they put him in the movie they called The Fish to Say Pittsburgh. And they had this whole, it's like this four or five minute montage of him just playing basketball at night because the school teacher had a younger brother or son. She was like, I refuse to let him be in these streets thinking that basketball is going to be his way out the hood when he's smart enough to get an education. And she was like, why you won't help me teach him that message? And so Dr. J's character says, this is why. And then he pulls over into this like basketball court and he just plays basketball for three minutes while they play this epic <laughs> song about playing basketball. And I know as a 37 year old man, I was like, yo, this is really corny and it's an epic way to play basketball. Like they just showed him playing basketball. He was just dunking, shooting jumpers, doing spin moves and like dress shoes and, and bell bottoms. And so I can imagine kids at that time watching that movie thinking, man, that's what I'm going to do because I want to be just like him because it was a well-produced film. You know what I mean? And yes. so it's really hard, man. 
especially when the guys that are doing it quote unquote the traditional way, you know, they 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 super tired at night. They come home like everybody hates Chris. His dad works three jobs and he always sleeping and they struggling. That's what you yeah. saw for real, for real. But on TV, they showing you, oh man, if I could just learn to dunk a basketball and be like Dr. J, because everybody like Dr. J, I should just do that. I mean, yes. And so I, 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 I to kind of counteract a lot of the things that we see, I think it's almost our responsibility to, especially, you know, you being um, in the education and you having direct access to kids and, you know, me being in different circles to where, you know, I coach or, or mentor young yeah, kids yeah. to let them see, um, you know, other areas or other arenas where um, black men can be successful in that it's not necessarily a either, either it's, it's a pass fail situation. Cause I think what a lot of the things that, that young black people uh, acquire, like what they aspire to be is a pass fail as opposed to, Hey, you know, this is an area like STEM. Me and you've talked about STEM on this, on this show. If, if more young black people got into to, to the STEM um, industry, you know, they, they, they're going to, you know, make six figures a year. They're going to mm-hmm. be able to, you know, be, if they're smart with their money, they'll be able to retire, you know, with, with millions of dollars in the mm-hmm. bank and things of that nature. Yeah. And that's a, that's a industry that continues to grow. So there's no barriers to entry there. So right. I, I think that we kind of have to be responsible and not just um, present, you know, these one or two, avenues as I say where it's past fell but present some things to where it's kind of open to everybody else so and this sounds really corny but I'm about to say it, it sounds like some real hotep stuff some real Muslim selling bean pot on the corner in 95 degree weather with a suit on is it our job to promote alternative lifestyles to being entertainers like is it because we're not doing a good enough job on our social media platforms and in our relationships with children that we do know to tell them that you know, like that one fact, if you work as a tech guy or STEM guy at Google for 10 years, you'll make a million dollars as opposed to being a part of the 75% of NBA and NFL players that go broke after four years. Yeah, I think, I think it's our job and I think it's, one a thing to where we have to build up this this level of of like trust in the process you know the philadelphia 76ers made that 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 phrase very popular trust in the process i think we have to be more process oriented and saying hey look here as opposed to you know not saying like get rich quick schemes but as opposed to trying to accumulate everything all at one time or whatever let me be um, pragmatic in my approach and work to build things over time um, knowing that it all it won't all come at the same time but if i you know play things right eventually um every goal that i'm, I'm trying to achieve I, i'll get there so yeah um I, i'm with you i guess we uh we do need to do a better job of that. Uh, we're going to wrap up this week. We'll wrap up a bit early. 
uh, did a little bit over an hour. I appreciate y'all for rocking with us, everybody that joined in. Because um, some other obligations, we're going to try to cut the, cut the show a bit short. Excuse me. But uh, some things I definitely want to leave on the table for us to think about is, you know, how much of how the next generation sees themselves in their future is due to what we present and then how much of what we're currently doing as a result of marketing. And then if you're a black man listening to the show, uh, first and foremost, thank you. And then uh, and we want you all to join us and, and, and talk with us a bit more about you know what it's like to be a brother that still believes in the old adage that I got to be the bread running the household. Um, I saw a question on Facebook this week that really got me to thinking. Uh, one of the listeners to the show was saying uh, he wonders how many black men could be secure enough in themselves to marry a woman who's as, as successful as Kamala Harris. And I was like, ooh, that's real heavy. So I was like... That might be a topic for next week's show. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we could definitely talk about that because, Lord Jesus, that'll, that'll get us into a lot of relationship dynamics. But, you know, seeing is how, again, a lot of the things that we were taught to be traditional and uh, the way to do things really might not have been set up for the black family's success. Like it, it might have been a get rich quick scheme that was presented to us, but it was actually a long term play by the powers that be. And maybe we sh- we need to start side eyeing a lot of this stuff because it absolutely isn't for us. Um, generationally speaking, like you know, you could be an NFL player and live high on the hog for three seasons or three years, and then after that be twenty five and looking at what you got to do the rest of your life because the money's gone. You know, so uh, yeah, Danny says it's definitely our responsibility, and Quanika said, "Well said." Something else, but anyway, those are some things to think about, guys. These are the things that, you know, although we didn't have a specific topic, these are definitely some of the takeaways from this last week in the news. And uh, again, like this, please like. We got five people on the show, and we get five likes. Can we get five likes? Can we get five hugs, laughs, frowny faces, anything? Uh, any clicks, any text, any comments will help other people see what we're doing. Uh, it's fun. It's a labor of love, but it's definitely for the benefit of the whole community. So What's that? help us out. Got anything else, man? Nah, man. As I said, thank you guys for rocking with us. Um, you know, hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. Have a good week. Peace.